Thank you, everyone, for tuning into Fantline Wisdom. I'm Minister Marvin Fant, giving wisdom and a godly perspective to combat the problems of today's world. For there is nothing new under the sun, and what God said for yesterday is good for then, today, and tomorrow. Now here's today's wisdom. Today's message is Behind the Scenes with Adam and Eve. In chapter one of Genesis describes the creation in broad strokes. And in chapter two, the author decides to zoom in, focusing not on a human race, but a specific person, be it Adam. The word Adam in Hebrew refers to that which comes from the ground because the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground. With the introduction of the name Lord Yahweh with God Elohim in these verses, God introduced himself relationally to his creation. God made Adam from the same ground that he was to oversee. God also breathed into Adam the breath of life. This combination is astounding because Adam was at one and the same time a, a piece of dirt and the bearer of God's own breath. This should keep us from thinking of ourselves either too highly or too lowly. God made us out of the most mundane material imaginable, so we shouldn't be conceited. But God also infused us with his spirit, which gives us tremendous value. And like Adam, we are all a fusion of the divine and the dusty. God placed Adam in a garden in Eden and gave him a job. Adam was to work the garden and watch over it. Before Adam had a wife, he had a place to live, a job, and a relationship with the living God. Real men are defined by God's calling. Adam's calling was unique, but we can all learn about our calling through Adam's because he was not just our shared ancestor. He was also the prototype for all humanity. God asked Adam to work a specific garden, cultivating it working the ground and bringing out the hidden potential of all that God had made. He was also to guard and protect that which was under his responsibility. And since the only threat in existence was Satan, this reinforces the view that Satan's fall had already occurred. This introduces the angelic conflict and the fact that man was created to demonstrate God's greater glory to the angelic realm as he managed God's creation on his behalf. It's the same with us. Each of us has a garden, a God-given sphere of responsibility that God has placed within our, within our care. Whether we are working in business, staying at home, caring for the children, or serving the Lord professionally in ministry, God wants us to make his global purpose apparent in our local situations. God won't do the work for you. He wants to do the work with you and through you. Eve hadn't made her grand entrance yet because God had something else to give Adam first, his word. The Lord God commanded the man and expected him to obey. Many men today hate the idea of others telling them what to do. And that kind of independence may make someone feel like a man but God measures manhood by a person's ability to submit to the rule of God. A man hasn't 
arrived at biblical manhood if he won't let God tell him what to do. The commandment was simple, though it may have struck Adam as odd. You're free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Freedom then is a divinely ordained right and not a humanly determined one. Biblical freedom is the responsibility and opportunity to choose to maximize one's calling unto God. God gave Adam a tremendous amount of freedom, allowing him to enjoy whatever God provided. But biblical freedom, as opposed to our culture's ideas of freedom, has healthy limits. The fundamental issue at work in this passage is this. Would man live by divine revelation or human reason? To eat the forbidden fruit meant man would seek right and wrong independently of God. In creating the man first, God was highlighting that he, hold, he holds men ultimately responsible and accountability for the expansion of his kingdom program. Just as the rules in a football game help the players and fans to enjoy the game, boundaries in our spiritual walk help us live the way God intended. When we misuse that freedom, the consequences are severe. Just one bite, God warned, and you will certainly die. Ignoring God's boundaries can feel liberating, but it always ends in death. This is true for individuals, families, and nations. And throughout chapter one, God kept saying in his, to, of his creation, it is good. Yet when God saw Adam by himself, he responded this way. It is not good for man to be alone. So he promised to make a helper corresponding to, corresponding to him. The Hebrew phrase, Eze Kinegro Ir, means an essential collaborator not a maid. As, a strong, as strong as a man is, no man has it all. And he needs someone to um, make up for his deficiencies, especially since he, was a, he has a, a minus rib cage and the wife is there to be a man's counterpart, equal to him and adding what he lacks as she fulfills her biblical role. The moment a man says he doesn't need her, he contradicts God. The solution to uh, Adam's isolation was preceded by a parade after promising to make him a wife. God brought the animals to Adam so Adam could exercise the authority God gave him, which was calling the names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal, be it bear, gorilla, elephant, anteater. He said, but then he noticed something for every Mr. Elephant, there was a Mrs. Elephant. And Mr. Gorilla had his Mrs. Gorilla, but for Adam, no helper was um, there for him. Now, there was a Mr. Adam, but no other half. God lovingly addressed Adam's need, putting Adam to sleep and creating a woman out of one of Adam's ribs. The English translations don't usually make it clear, but the word used for God creating a woman is much different than the one used for making Adam. God formed Adam, but he fashioned Eve. When God made man, he took some dirt and threw it together. But when he made woman, he took his time. Not only did God fashion the woman, but he also brought Adam and Eve together. 
He brought her to the man as if playing matchmaker, just like Adam, Eve had a relationship with God before she had a relationship with her husband. Woman who placed, women who place their hands in God's um, hand can trust him to place them in the hands of the right men. When their marriage took place, Adam broke out into a little song. The wording is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And I think Adam was saying, that's what I'm talking about. Also, the Hebrew word for a woman being Isha means together. They become one flesh, which is to say they share a unity of purpose while retaining their uniqueness as individuals. This is a pattern for all married couples, as Jesus would later say about this passage, what God has joined together, let no one separate, Mark 10 and 19. In a culture characterized by abandoned mothers, easy divorce, and broken homes, God offers a better way, and the man is to lead in accepting the responsibility for leaving and cleaving. The text doesn't say it directly, but the serpent that showed up to tempt Adam and Eve was the devil, Satan in disguise. He approached the woman on purpose because he knew that Eve didn't hear the command of God firsthand. Only Adam did. Adam was, to, was supposed to lead his family by making sure that both he and Eve knew God's commands and walked in them. The serpent sought to reverse the divinely ordained roles in the family by bypassing the man and appealing to the woman. This is a reminder that role reversal leads to chaos. Importantly, Satan omitted God's relational name, Lord Yahweh, when speaking with Eve. This indicates that he doesn't mind religion as long as there's no relationship with the Lord God driving it. And notice Satan's tactics. There was only one restriction that God gave, but that's the only, only restriction that the devil wanted to discuss. And not only that, but he also intentionally misrepresented God, implying that God had commanded, saying, you can't eat from any tree in the garden. One of Satan's oldest lies is as alluring today as it was then, is this. God is holding out on you. Thus, Satan questioned the goodness of God. And Eve answered the initial attack well enough, pointing out that God allowed them to uh, eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but that they should not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if they did, they would die. Adam had emphasized to Eden, excuse me, to Eve that she was not to even touch it. And Satan became bolder and then, and then revealing two more of his classic lies. The first is that sin carries no consequences. You will not die, he told Eve. And every one of us has felt that lie. And since it's at the heart, heartbeat of every act of sin, God tells us not to uh, cross the line because the consequences are disastrous and we pretend like he's all talk. And the second lie is that humans can become equal to God. And as Satan said, when you eat the fruit, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. 
the irony is that God intended for us to be like him, sharing in his reign and ruling over this world. But Satan tempted Adam and Eve to try to uh, take God's place, kicking him off the throne altogether. We see another lie of Satan as Eve contemplated the fruit and she sized it up and concluded that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. So she took a bite. And our culture expresses this lie this way. If it feels good, do it. The results of buying the lie are just as tragic today as they were for Adam and Eve. And by the way, notice that uh, Adam was with her this whole time. God had given him the task of protecting the garden and leading his wife. And here he was standing next to Eve while the snake laid a heavy lie on her. While Adam stood there in silence, Adam became the responder instead of the leader. And literally all hell broke loose as a result. His failure to help his wife live in obedience to God's word had tragic consequences. God promised that eating from the tree would lead to death, and he was right. The manifestation of that death was emotional, spiritual, relational, environmental, and ultimately physical. Adam and Eve knew they were naked and sewed fig leaves together for clothing. They had been naked up to this point and unashamed, but suddenly, they were full of shame and guilt, so their nakedness was a mark of emotional death rather than life. Fear crept in too, another sign of emotional death. When they heard God approaching, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The spiritual relationship that nourished them and should have brought them their greatest joy had become a terror to them. God always knows the answers to the questions. So when he called Adam, where are you? He wasn't losing in the game of hide and seek. He was calling Adam to be accountable. Adam was the leader and he failed. Now I suspect that God is calling out to many men with the same question today. To those men abandoning their families, and being passive in their relationships and wasting their lives. God says, where are you? It's time to stop acting like little boys. Step up to be the men God created you to be. Because kingdom men accept responsibility under God. No said. Thank you for listening to Frontline Wisdom, and please tell others about it, for wisdom is key to growth and prosperity, in Jesus' name, enough said.